you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. The weather is getting warmer and it's time to swap my winter layers for fun, vibrant, and cool clothing with so many fun things happening this spring like Mother's Day and the Wind Down Tour. It's hard to find great looking clothes that fit you just right. That's why I love JCPenney. JCPenney has so many stylish and comfortable options for so many different body types. I've been blown away by their selection and everything hugs my body in all the right spots. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with style that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count. With AT&T in-car Wi-Fi, elevate your adventure by transforming your vehicle into a reliable Wi-Fi hotspot. Connect up to 10 devices up to 50 feet away from your vehicle, making it ideal for camping and road trips. Don't miss out on the fun. Embark on your next adventure today. Visit att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to check if you're eligible for a free trial. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. The Around the NFL podcast will be prepared for the Robit Invasion. Welcome to another edition of the Around the League podcast. Oh, it's the Around the NFL podcast now. I'm Greg Rosenthal alongside a couple of heroes, Chris Wesseling and Mark Sessler. I just want to know where is our normal host? Well, yeah, that's right. Dan Hansis, he can't be with us uh, today. We had our halftime review. If you happen to listen to Wednesday's show, that was on Wednesday. So, you know, Dan's taking some time away right now. To Wait, th- what happened in this halftime review? We're not supposed to talk about it. Company policy. All Everything that goes on in that room is confidential. That's My it. review got delayed. This means I you, you guys could be without me on Sunday. Mine went fine. This is it. You dropped a disturbing footnote right here at the top of the show. Well, it shouldn't be a surprise. You haven't seen Dan all day. I don't know. We've got a lot to get to. I mean, we'll have to. <laughs> uh, if you're listening to us, thank you very much for downloading and putting comments on iTunes. And hopefully you guys have been watching us a little bit on uh, NFL Now and I guess without any... Uh... Now, hold on, Greg. Before we dive into the games... Now, Chris, I know you're paired with Greg tonight on what I like to call the, the B team to cover Thursday Night Football, the Bills, the Dolphins. Let's get to you guys to get your comments on that. Thank you, Mark. The A team's here. Forget the B team. Oh, we're now the A We're team. the best crew going because we get into these Thursday Night games even when they're not so great. In this game, the Bills and the Dolphins was looking at least compelling for about three quarters before the Dolphins pulled away in the fourth quarter. They wind up winning 22-9. They're 6-4. and four. Bills are 5-5, five and five. looking like they have a pretty impossible path to the playoffs at this point. Bills are 5-5, five and five, and three of their final four games are against the Packers, Broncos, and Patriots. 
Okay. Well, they they got a couple weeks before they get there, though. They have home games against the Jets and the Browns, and at least you stay relevant and you can get the 7-5. But it's hard to see right now. I mean, Kyle Orton is better than E.J. Manuel was, but he's still Kyle Orton, and we talked about it last week, and I don't. I think he had another very poor game here tonight against Miami. Yeah, I think my main takeaway from both teams tonight is that the Bills have two backup quarterbacks, no starting quarterback, and no 2015 first-round draft pick. So they're stuck <laughs> with Kyle Orton and E.J. Manuel as their quarterback. Well, yeah, but we knew that. They're 5-5, five and five and they're actually a little better than I expected. Orton's, on balance, been about what you would expect, maybe even a little better. Like, what more could he ask for? I think them going 8-8 eight and eight this year is a win. I assume it's a win enough for Doug Marone to keep his job. But the Bills' defensive line tonight was neutralized. I mean, Miami got the ball out of Ryan Tannehill's hands quicker and ultimately was a matchup of two really good defenses. But I think the difference was Miami at least has a competent offense. Well, I think there was another difference, too. This game turned on Dan Carpenter's missed field goal and then two very questionable calls by the referee. (laughs) Oh, look at – Wes is a homer now because – he had a potential hero. Well, pick that here, safety and he, was one of the worst. He was upset. He's upset. That about safety this. was one of the worst calls I've ever seen. It it <laughs> fails any common sense rule, and the pass interference. Uh, you heard Deion Sanders after the game called it horrendous. That's true. There were a couple questionable calls. The safety uh, that you're referring to came at a, a crucial point in the game. It gave the Dolphins a 12-9 lead late in the third quarter. Orton got rid of the ball quickly. Olivier Vernon, who played really well in the second half of this game, was coming around the edge. Orton just threw it up. It looked like he was throwing it to Sammy Watkins, who then ran one way on a route. They said it doesn't matter if the ball's close to where Watkins... I mean, it doesn't matter if Watkins ran the wrong route. The ball wasn't close to him. It, it, was, it doesn't it make sense. It should be where the receiver is at the release of the throw, not where the ball ends up, especially on a floater that hangs up in the air for a couple in seconds. In fairness, though, they got the ball back right away because Jarvis Landry, who had a nice game overall, fumbled the free kick, and the Bills couldn't do anything with it. So the Bills weren't going to win this game because they couldn't move the ball at all. I mean, can you agree with that at least? Yeah. they. Kyle Orton, you've said this during the game. They haven't scored – in what, 115 <laughs> minutes or something like that? <laughs> they haven't scored a touchdown since the opening drive of last week's game against the Chiefs. So that's a bit, about eight quarters, two, almost two full games where you can't get a touchdown drive. Here's their, their last five drives tonight totaled a total of 13 yards. Oh. <laughs> and they, in that, didn't score any points, and they gave up two points. So I look at that, and I give a lot of credit to Miami, who their defense I've talked about is one of the best in the league. I wouldn't say they had a great, great game most of it, but at the end they really turned it on for the last 20 minutes, and they took it over, and that's the kind of defense you need with Tannehill in this offense. Tannehill was good. He wasn't great. It was kind of the same that we've seen out of him. He's getting enough help from Lamar Miller and Landry, and they just have to be average to win some of these games because the defense is that good. Yeah, I thought it was a tale of two halves for Tannehill. He made several key mistakes in the first half that cost his team scoring opportunities, missed Mike Wallace on a couple of deep throws, as is his wont, and then led two touchdown drives in the second half that were the difference in the game. Yeah, he was moving the ball. That's what he's doing. He, the, the flash in his game that I kind of liked as a rookie seems to be gone. He's not making those splash plays anymore, but he's he's solid. He's like a more athletic version of 
2013 Nick Foles or something like that, which you'll take. Okay. Nothing wrong with that. They're 6-4. and four. I, I think this is a team that's going to be right in the mix until the end, but this is a game they had to win. Uh, they got it done, and I think of these two teams, it makes sense to me that they're the more of the real playoff contender that's going to stay in the mix. All right, that's that's all we got for you. Let's send it back. Wait, wait, before we do. Okay. It is the A team, right? This is the A team now. That's what we, we're calling ourselves. Oh, there we go. <laughs> send it back. TD coming through. Does that make you Hannibal? <laughs> oh, I like what it Because I can start together. pitying some fools. <laughs> back to you guys. Let's let's get to the games. Why not? Start with uh, Philadelphia and Green Bay. And this is one of the games that people can watch us on NFL Now. Maybe they're even watching us right now because we, we cut a little video on now for the top three games of the week. And Philadelphia, Green Bay has to be it. Most weeks, this is easily the game of the week. There's a lot to choose from this week. Chris Wessling, what are you looking for between the Packers and the Eagles? Well, I'm still eyeing Mark Sanchez. I'm so... <laughs> fascinated with how well he's doing, how great of a fit he is in this scheme. Everything that he did poorly in the Jets is like a non-issue here in Philadelphia because he's just perfectly suited for this. You know, he's had in his career one game with 300-plus yards and no turnovers. Happened last week. I don't know if I'm ready to say, look, every quarterback to me is perfectly suited for this offense, especially if they can run a hurry-up. And if they can make quick decisions, get the ball out of their hands. And maybe that's not every quarterback. Maybe Eli Manning wouldn't be good in the Chip Kelly offense. But basically anyone, I think, that's a quality NFL starter can do well. But it's one thing to do it for a week. We thought Austin Davis looked pretty good for a couple weeks. It's a different thing to do it against an NFL defense. And I think the Packers have gotten better each and every week this year. And that's going to be a much tougher matchup. They have... They've gotten a lot of takeovers. They've done a nice job, whether, you know, if you like all facets of their defense or not. I think they're fifth in the league with like 18 turnovers or something. And that's how you test Sanchez, because in his past, he's been a mistake-prone guy. The Clay Matthews at inside linebacker experiment couldn't have gone any better. Mark Sanchez said this week that HaHa Clinton Dix is playing better than any rookie he's seen all year. Mm. But you know what that shows me? That Sanchez is studying. You know what I mean? I don't know. Or not studying I'm other just, players. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, I don't know if Matthew Stafford is giving opinions on who's the best you know, rookie safety he's seen all year. Greg I think never Sa- passes up a chance to take a shot at the Detroit Lions. <laughs> well, maybe you know, maybe Sanchez should keep that under wraps. Why? Well, we the, the Packers know it. Dix has been great. Micah Hyde's playing pretty well. Sam Shields, Tremont Williams. I mean, this is a good secondary. It's a solid defense. I'm also interested to see... Aaron Rodgers in a game where he might get 14 possessions or something like that. I mean, that's mm. the beauty of this game. Ooh, yeah. You know, the Packers are going to get the ball so much because Philly's playing hurry up. What do you think the final score is in this? Oh. We usually don't go scores, but this just seems like one. It's going to have a lot of points. 45-38. Woo, that feels good. I'll go 38-31. And you have the Packers. You have I the, Packers the Packers as well. If Rodgers gets 14 possessions, does that mean Connor Barwin racks up seven sacks? <laughs> He's been playing great. I, I don't know about this Eagles defense. It's one of the toughest teams to figure in the league because they're leading the league in sacks, I believe, now. And you look at them, and there's not many players that can just win one-on-one matchups. Like, who who's the player on the Philadelphia Eagles defense you're afraid of the most? I'd say right now Connor Barwin, Fletcher Cox. 
It's like, eh. But point yeah, made in that it's secondary. Not, yeah, you're eh, not looking Malcolm at Jenkins total household really well. names, terrors or something. You know, it's it's weird that this is, game is so important for I think by positioning and playoff positioning. But the Packers aren't even in first place, so I, I don't know if you can say it's for a buy. But this is one of those games that seems like a fork in the road for one of these two teams, and the winner of this game is going to have a real good chance to go after that buy in the NFC. All right, let's move on to the next game, New England. In Indianapolis, they faced a couple times in Andrew Luck's career. Bill Belichick has done a nice job against Andrew Luck. Luck's thrown a lot of interceptions against the Patriots' defense. This time, it's in Indianapolis. The last two were in New England. Wes, you have the Patriots. I mean, you have the Colts in this game. Why are you going against the Patriots? Well, look, of course Bill Belichick has forced Andrew Luck to throw a lot of interceptions. Because as we discussed in the previous podcast, Andrew Luck went into that playoff game last year with Griff Whalen as his second option in the passing game. They had Dwayne Allen injured, Reggie Wayne injured. They had Trent Richardson running the ball with Ahmad Bradshaw injured. So this is a totally different offense this year, and it's the best offense in the NFL, statistical. Mm. Do you think it is the best offense? Do you think it's better than the Packers? I would take the Packers over them right now. Would you take the Patriots over them right now? That's... Good question. The oh, Packers, see, n- numbers are misleading. The Packers have at least three games where they basically quit at halftime because they were up so much. Would you have ever ex- thought after the first four weeks that the Patriots' offense would be in the mix as one of the best offenses in the league? History tells us that whenever there's panic around New England for the first couple, you know, Patriots fans on their heels three weeks into the season. It's late September. What's happening? Oh, you know what's going to happen? You're going to win 13 games this season. Bill Belichick systematically reinvents the attack year after year, sometimes twice in a season. And I'm not shocked, but it's not—it's almost a mirror of last year when you get a healthy Gronk and he becomes what he is. Tom Brady becomes a different quarterback. I doubted it. We didn't see anything in the first three weeks that led us to believe Gronk would suddenly become right. Gronk again. Well, I, I don't know. Year I after doubted year, that Brandon though, LaFell would be catching 100 yards in a couple games. Maybe to the extent of how good they are and how punishing they've been, but I don't have any question that the Patriots, from where they are in September to where they are in December, every season they become a completely different team and find a way to peak with whatever's on the roster. I thought their defense was going to be exposed against Denver, and it really wasn't. They played They played really well mm-hmm. against Denver. I mean, they gave up a lot of yards, but they made plays. Akeem Ayers has sneakily been a big-time pickup for them. I mean, he not only had a sack in that game, he had a lot of hurries. And I went back and watched that one. It was a lot of one-on-one versus Ryan Clady, Akeem Ayers winning. And Jamie Collins, who we had as a making-the-leap guy, we don't have the greatest track record this year for making the leaps, but Jamie Collins, who started out a little slow, he started to look like what we saw in the playoffs last year against these Colts, where he had a career-making performance. I mean, against Denver, he was covering running backs, which you're going to have to do with Ahmad Bradshaw in this game. He was rushing the passer, and Belichick got very creative, blitzing a lot, kind of confused Peyton Manning because he has confidence in Revis and Browner on the outside, and that's something they haven't had in a lot of years. I think this is the best secondary the Patriots have had Probably since 2007. Well, and the best secondary probably that Andrew Luck has faced this year. That's an, mm. that's an interesting matchup because Belichick, for all the kudos for his defensive coaching, this is the year where in the secondary finally has the guys to maybe do what he hasn't been able to do in a decade to some extent. I'm not sure Darrell Revis can hang with T.Y. Hilton. 
I know that sounds be crazy. fascinating to watch. But that's one of the quickest cornerbacks in the league. They might put him on Wayne, you know, and just feel like more I mean, power I, to I him. I know Mate Wayne might move around if he goes in the slot. You know, Revis might not follow him. T. In there. Y. Hilton is way more dangerous than Reggie Wayne. Yeah, the problem is. Mm. Hilton's speed, you're right, is a problem for anyone. It's definitely a problem for Revis and, and Brandon Browner. I mean, he, it's I mean, it's crazy that Hilton might be the guy you double. I mean, Hilton might be the guy you get Kyle Arrington, Patrick Chung, who amazingly is having playing a well. pretty good season. Yeah. He's playing really well. I mean, Pulled him out of deep freeze. <laughs> I know. The guy, he just stunk. He stunk with the Patriots the last time he was there. He stunk, with, stunk the, with the Eagles. He was pretty bad with the Eagles. The Colts can just hit you, though, in so many different ways. That's why I mean I'm I'm not feeling too confident well, about wait, this. Wait, you right just now. beat the Broncos. If you're you are a Patriots fan, so you just you got to lose some games. Denver. And if you're going to pick a game to lose at Indianapolis, might be the toughest game in the league right now. It's one, one of to them. ten. How worried are you as a Patriots fan? Like ten being, I think they're definitely going to lose. Mm-hmm. One, they're definitely going to win. Five or six, six. Must Wouldn't be you nice be to be a New England fan? <laughs> Wouldn't That's, you be? This is the high octane level of your descent and worry is five or six. You know that we're not going to handle this thing without any problems. Well, I mean, five or six, they're going to win. Basically. Well, I'm with you. I picked the New England to win. Yeah, so. Mark. Mark picked the Patriots. Dan, uh, who's not with us today, picked the Indianapolis Colts. And little known fact, he has picked. And I'm sure if he was here, he would point this out. But I'll do it for him because <laughs> I love the man. Uh, he's picked every single Patriots game correct this year one of the few in the nation if not the only in the nation i believe it's one of the things one of the only things that dan excels at that should picking the patriots your worry scale should go up to nine and a half after seeing that that is a problem kevin patra was with chris and i and he chose the patriots a lot of split i chose the colts oh yeah that's right you you chose the colts right over here buddy pick new england yeah you're here with me the fan consensus on weekly pick them by the way how about that i'm just plugging things all over the place you can see our picks on weekly pick them you were like a corporate helicopter circling over everything this is what happens uh when i host unfortunately all right let's move on to the next game and i feel bad about the lions and the cardinals and their fan bases this week Mm -hmm. Because this matchup is fantastic. I mean, it's basically for the top spot in the NFC. But here it is in our show. It gets third billing. It's third up. And on Sunday afternoon, no one's going to see it. I mean, we're going to see it because we can watch We can watch them all if you want. But it's opposite Green Bay, Philly. So basically, no one in the country is going to see an 8-1 and one team versus a 7-2 and two team. And there's a lot of exciting matchups in this game. What excites you the most, Mark Sessler? I just Arizona's defense. One of the reasons that we as a group did not pick the Cardinals as our team of ATL was because we thought coming into the year, too banged up, can't get it done, and they're gonna be you know, gonna be a five hundred team because of that. It doesn't matter who gets removed from this scenario. It's it's you're looking at Arizona's defense and what they're gonna have to do against Detroit, which I think you talk about an underrated team that I don't think a lot of people watch the Lions. Their defense might be the best in football right now. It, it is the best in football. Well, statistically, but do you trust it as, it, as a unit? You take I've it against over it, any other? I've trusted it all year. You've got three superstars right now, and mm. Dominican Sue, DeAndre Levy, and mm. Ziggy Ansah making the leap. And then you He's have, been unbelievable. Honestly, I think the best safety duo in the NFL right now. Earl Thomas and Cam Chancellor can't be number one because Cam Chancellor isn't playing and was playing horribly because of his ankle injury when okay. he was. James Ahedabo is just hitting people hard. Glover Quinn is good in coverage. Wow. Their safeties are, are very key to what Terrell Austin does with this defense. See, you can watch a lot of 
you know, videos on NFL.com and you can go to NFL now. There's great stuff. You can listen to podcast. No one else is going to hit you with the Lions have the best safety duo in the league with Ahedabo <laughs> and Quinn. And I think you're right. Ahedabo is making plays each week. And he came from Baltimore. The Ravens really miss him. I would they never, do. I would never have thought that the Ravens would really miss James ahead of him. Well, they, their rookie hasn't turned out. Their second-year players, right? Turned out Matt Elam's not playing well, and they're not playing well at safety. Hedabo's very good. Ziggy Ansah, you mentioned. I mean, he came into the league, and people thought, oh, his athleticism is going to be great. We'll see if he's strong enough with it. He's got to be one of the strongest defensive ends in the league. He's a freak. When you watch him against the tackles, like he makes, he just kind of shakes them. I mean, they won that game in large part because of Ansah last week. The Dolphins, all they needed to do was get one first down at the end of the game, and they probably win. And Ansa just stops a run on second down, pressures Tannehill on third down to force a bad throw. Lions get the ball back, and Stafford pulls off his magic. Can Hold they up. keep winning like this? Well, though? speaking of Stafford for a minute, we there's been some woes over the offense in Detroit not performing the way that we certainly thought in the offseason that it was like there's almost too many weapons with Megatron back and healthy. Do you think a couple weeks from now, the same way we looked at New England's offense at one point and realized mm. – Oh, we were worried about the wrong thing. Maybe Detroit will come back around? I absolutely believe that. I think they'll put up numbers. Why? Because we've seen what they do when Calvin Johnson's in the lineup. And now they have Golden Tate, which they've never had a number two oh, yeah. to He's Calvin Johnson. Yeah. Golden Tate's been, to me, in the MVP discussion. He so made the go- biggest plays in, in that game on the, on the winning drive. Golden Tate was the guy that Stafford got to go to. And that's basically because they're doubling up Calvin Johnson. And Calvin Johnson makes plays when he's double teamed. Right. Matthew Stafford isn't quarterback like we used in the last podcast, the word trust. I don't trust him because he's too inconsistent, but I think he can put up numbers. And he's had a couple of game-winning drives this year. That drive was one of the drives of the year. He had a pretty mediocre Stafford-like game before that. He does that a lot. I could say I trust him a lot more than I trust Drew Stanton. They still play in a (laughs) dome, though, and that concerns me in terms of my ability to enjoy them on any level. Well, what is your thought, though, on teams like Arizona that have a – Dome, but you can they can open that thing up, can't they? They open it up all the time. Seems a little that, shifty that, that to me. That to me, that is it is suspect on some level. Well, we're but going Arizona's, there. In fact, if you do, if you yeah. really don't like domes, I mean, you can't stay here uh, during the Super Bowl week. Someone needs to stay at the desk, make sure you know food is getting served mm-hmm. to all the editors and stuff like Attractive that. Attractive offer, Greg, but my <laughs> dome issues do not extend to neutral site Super Bowls. Well, not, not like a fear of what? heights. I just don't. I can't. I don't like playoff games that go through three games in the NFC through a dome. Well, let's talk quickly about the Cardinals' offense and Drew Stanton going up against this Detroit defense. Do you think they can run the ball at all? I mean, they haven't been able to run against most teams. Against Detroit, it's going to be really hard. I don't think they can run. Do you think? Do you think Stanton will be good enough that they could? He could carry him through this. No, I picked the Lions to win because of the quarterback change. I don't think Arians will change his offense. I think he'll continue to attack down the field. When I see Stanton play, what I see is a guy who doesn't move the chains. You're going to have big plays, but they're not going to be able to have a ball control offense in any way. His completion percentage has not been good this season at all. Even with Palmer there, they were kind of an erratic big plays and then a lot of three and outs or six and outs. I think the only way the Cardinals win this game, and I chose the Lions along with Wes. Uh, Mark, you chose the... Arizona Cardinals. Yeah, sorry for both of you. Sorry. Uh, Dan did as well. Kevin Patrick chose his Lions. No surprise there. I think the way – if the Cardinals can win this game, they win it just by blitzing like crazy. Todd Bowles, the number one blitz team in the league. Stafford, when when Miami blitzed them in the second half and the second quarter, they didn't do anything last week for about two and a half quarters. Stafford really struggled with blitz. 
that's their ticket to win, but I don't think it's going to happen. We'll find out. All right. Let's move on to the rest of the games. And uh, this is time of the week where we single out the men who chose to be men this week and go out on a little bit of a limb, not play it safe like Sessler does every week. Uh, by the way, have the second most hero picks in the group. So <laughs> okay. how about pipe well, down the on most your false conceits? Yeah. Uh, false conceits. I had to, I had to do because Do your facts. You're the only one in this group right now without a hero pick or at least a potential for a hero pick this week. And let's start with Chris Wesseling. <laughs> oh, just defend your hero. This I week. like his mood. That's how I feel about this segment after your introduction <laughs> to it. <laughs> well, it's how I feel about Chris Wesseling's ridiculous pick of the Buccaneers because I wish we could go back and call up the tape of Chris Wessling calling the Tampa Bay Buccaneers the worst team in the NFL week after week, including last week, I believe. Chris Wessling, defend your hero. Well, I have more confidence in Josh McCown than I do in Robert Griffin right now. I think he's the better quarterback oh in gosh. 2014. What a sad and depressing statement. I thought it was funny that one of the <laughs> Buccaneers. Sorry, Twitter... it's just depressing to hear that, and I'm like, it's 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 a your fair defense point. has been hijacked by the the host here. <laughs> I thought it was funny on Twitter today. One of the Buccaneers sites tweeted that uh, the Bucks are very wary of Robert Griffin because he is the first dual threat quarterback they've played all year. I thought that was precious. The Bucks said that, that they or still consider writer. him a dual threat when he clearly can't run that fast anymore. You you said down in the newsroom today you thought he ran a four nine forty at this point. Wow, that's a little much. He's not dynamic in any way anymore. I kind of I disagree to the point that he didn't play poorly in his first game back. He had two terrible. Is he beating linebackers to the to the corner anymore? When he no, I agree no. with you on that. He's not showing his the same speed that he used to. But do you disagree that he played pretty well against the Vikings? He had two really bad throws and they became in big spots. But he wasn't terrible. I think that's how low the bar is now. That he played a mediocre game and people thought he played very well. I thought. I thought McCown played better last week than mm. RG3 did against the Vikings. I, well, McCown was – some of the stuff we didn't like about Glennon was he'll get hot for a couple throws. You know, he played he played well in the second half against Cleveland for much of it, but then he'll do some inexplicable stuff. For the most part, McCown last week, that was all removed. He, in, he also, down the stretch, a lot of quarterbacks wouldn't have finished that game. He played in incredible, mm. incredible pain. I think they've got a veteran that can – give you some consistency down the stretch, but these are two totally lost teams. Gruden today basically <laughs> said they are because Gruden said every so much needs to change about the team that he's coaching right now. And I really think you're right about RG3 in one other area too, that the energy around that quarterback might be as bad. It's not his fault necessarily. Uh, to, we, to what degree, we don't know, but I can't think of a passer that has a worst mm. sort of energy around him right now that the team, you don't even think the team wants to play for him necessarily. <laughs> well, Deshaun Jackson cracked me up during his appearance on Fox during their bye week. And, you know, they brought up the quarterback issue. And he he wanted, he didn't want to say anything that killed RG3, but he's also just an honest enough guy that he didn't bother to sugarcoat things too much. And he just talked about how, well, you know, guys in the locker room, when they found out RG3 was coming in over Colt, there was a certain feeling there. And, you know, that was a certain feeling. And I had to stand up and talk to the guys and tell them, you know, calm down. That's not up to you. And then they ask him, well, who do you think throws a better ball? Which was a good question to ask. Kirk Cousins, you know, McCoy or RG3. And d was just like, 
Eh, Kirk, Kirk Cousins. That, that's my <laughs> it's pick. It's not, yeah, not promising. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually going to switch my pick over to the Bucks right now. You're not allowed to do that. Oh, really? I'm not. Ooh, I can see why you would, though. He's convinced I, me. Could Mike Evans uh, win? I defended my hero. Yeah, yeah, you did a good job. Could Mike Evans win Offensive Rookie of the Year? Yes, he could. He's on fire. He's really and good. Yeah, he's he looked I, outstanding against the Browns a couple weeks ago, too. I thought Vincent Jackson had his best game in over a month last week. He looks healthy. Had a lot of big catches on the sideline where he was winning one-on-one battles. This isn't the same offense that it was a few weeks ago. The Bucks offense... Mike Evans and Vincent Jackson are playing great together. Well, in, in theory, the same defense, I expect. I expect them to be bad. That's why I took the Redskins. I look at the offense. There is some hope because what they brought McCown in to do was to deal with a bunch of tall receivers that he succeeded in Chicago with, but it was a tight end and a wide receiver that were rookies. And maybe now, you know, Evans especially has found his sea legs. Maybe this 1-8 and eight start has a few wins down the stretch. I'm not sure what we're to getting say about excited the about no. the Bucks because they managed well, to keep it within ten against Atlanta at home. I mean, it's not certain, like that was a good result. I think we see certain plays from Evans in the offense that are promising. Let's I'm just, just talking myself into this pick. That's all I'm doing. <laughs> let's <laughs> just talk me into it. Let's <laughs> just say I'm feeling a little bit better about my hero pick. You know, the people of Tampa say that we don't give them a lot of credit. We just spent 12 minutes on them. You know, the Buccaneers <laughs> in in history they rode the seas. And so did the Vikings. Wow. And that's the transition on transition. this Transition. Put him in the host. Greg Rosenthal, you picked the Vikings yeah. against the Chicago Bears on Sunday. I need you to defend that choice. Do I even need to? No, I'm very. Sign me up, baby. You know, when you can get a hero pick potential against a team that just set a record set by the Rochester Surgeons or what, what was it? The Rochester Jeffersons Definitely in 1923. That's a historically bad tire fire going on in Chicago. And I get a hero pick for the frisky Vikings team. Teddy Bridgewater, good looking defense. I'm loving this one. The red, the Rochester Jeffersons were disbanded the following year, I believe. <laughs> do you think that we should do that to the Bears? You give up 50, well, 50 points to Bridgewater and the Vikings they, and Asiata? We should at least have a relegation system. So I think we a could number of decision makers could be disbanded from the Bears. I, I think so, too. And this is, a, I guess, it's not an important game for the Bears, but it's a dangerous one because they're at home. They're 3-6. and six. Have they won a home game? No, not since last December. <laughs> they haven't won a home game yet this season. The Blackhawks have won at Soldier Field more recently than the Bears. And, and they're playing, wow, and they're playing a team that on paper they should be or that that had much lower expectations. That's one reason I don't feel I feel very good about this because couldn't that scene be really ugly if it's ten three Minnesota in the second quarter? Just the crowd. Ugh. It, it for me it just feels like a game where obviously like ninety eight percent of the country is going to pick against the Bears because of what they saw a couple days ago. And the NFL season is wacky enough where it's like no, they're just going to win this game like seventeen sixteen on a last second field goal, and it's like oh wait. They're the home team, and they have a lot of talent that's not produced anything of late. The Vikings am, aren't world beaters. I am less than thrilled that Greg is getting a hero pick on this game because the Bears are awful. The Bears. Well, their defense is the Vikings should have Teddy Bridgewater have his best day of the year. Yeah, I think so. I mean, he played pretty well in that first start against Atlanta, and Atlanta and Chicago remind me a lot of each other on defense in that they're terrible. There's no pass rush. There's not much to like. The fans in the country actually did choose the Bears with you guys, but I get a hero pick, hmm. hope, hoping that the Vikings get to 5-5. Five and five. Now let's move on to the rest of the slate. And let, let's go to uh, New York this week. 
Talk a little 49ers-Giants. We all took the 49ers in this game. Mark, any temptation to take the Giants? Yeah, because you know they, when they've been good on offense, which has not been often, but in the games that they've been victorious, they've looked really promising and put up a lot of points. And looking at what Odell Beckham did last week mm. against Richard Sherman with him draped all over him all, all game, I thought, you know, yes, there's something about the Giants, especially in their passing game, that there's some promise. But I had to go with San Francisco because this is their season to me. Mm. I mean, if you lose this, then you're just one of these teams that's starting to fall, fall away in the NFC. And they are the better team. I don't know if I don't know what I feel about San Francisco. I guess I need to see more. Like I didn't watch that game against New Orleans and think, okay, you know their problems are solved. It's not like the passing game has been consistent at all. It wasn't particularly consistent in that game. I don't think winning in New York against the Giants is necessarily an easy game. Giants have the NFL's worst defense. They're <laughs> a bad team. Worse and than Chicago. I don't think they really are. They're ranked the thirty-second. Right in terms of yards, I don't think they're as bad. As some of those other Kaepernick. defenses. They have some weapons there. But they're Kaepernick so played up. better than his numbers last week. He converted a lot of key third downs despite four drops by Anquan Bolden and a couple of other drops. And basically, Vernon Davis and Michael Crabtree don't show up. I want to see if, because, you know, so Seattle ran for 350 yards franchise record on the Giants. That's part of where this yardage thing is coming up. That was outrageous on the ground. But can San Francisco, if they can run the ball, that's who they want to be. Can they get this done? They tried to last week. They tried. Everything was power formations, a lot of gore. It, it got back to kind of what I said the week before, that you can want to do that, but you have to do it well. Yeah. And they weren't really, considering they were playing the Saints, they, they, they didn't really run well the, in the first half, but they couldn't run it in the second half when they needed to. Right. They ended up, you know, they got 144 yards. I guess I shouldn't slight them at all. That Most of that came in the first half. Frank Gore ended up with 81 in that game. I just think they got to get Carl. I hate to say this, but I think they got to get Carlos Hyde Ooh, the ball more. Look at you burying the inconvenient truth. I'm not burying him, but it's just surprising to me. It's 23 carries for Gore and four for Hyde. And whenever Hyde's in there, I mean, he's got more juice. There's that's, no. That's like me saying the Ravens need to play Marlon Moore over Steve Smith. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Hyde has been overall not overwhelmingly. He looked impressive. good last week. He looked I, really good last week. I just week. think he's got juice. I mean, he has a total of nine carries over the last three weeks, which just doesn't seem enough. And, and over those three weeks, you know, he's averaging over five yards per carry for, for what it's worth on those nine carries. I think you got to get him the ball. I think you're right, Mark. This is kind of a game that they can't lose. And, and something we'll end up talking about a lot over the next few weeks is just how many wins it's going to take in these two conferences because this is a loaded year, and I don't think you're going to sneak into the playoffs at all. Uh, moving on to Houston and Cleveland this week, Mark. We talked about levels of concern. What's your level of concern for the Browns? It's and relatively Texans? high, I think, because you know, I, I, I don't, Cleveland took care of business in Cincinnati. Whenever there's a divisional game like that, I think that plays into the occasional. We know you so well. Once we get rolling, we can we can just romp over you. We, they were gifted with Andy Dalton's. You know, it wasn't. It had nothing to do with what they were doing on defense, but Andy Dalton laid the egg of all eggs, and. You've got to, I think they're the guinea pig in this game because uh, they're going to deal with Ryan Mallett. Whether you like him or not, they don't have a lot of film on the guy. There's no concept of how he'll, how the offense might change behind him. And then on, on their own offense, 
Clowney looks like he'll play, and no one's seen Clowney and Watt together outside of week one for a limited amount of snaps. And so on both sides of the ball, there's a couple X factors here. It's the kind of game that does concern me from Cleveland's angle. Remember the scene in Swingers, the diner the next morning when Yes, Vince I Vaughn do. saying you're all grown up and you're all grown up. Yeah. Look at the Cleveland Browns all grown up. They have a trap game on their schedule. <laughs> well, and they had one with the Jaguars, and they they fell down hard. They stumbled. Well, and West thinks they're going to get trapped. Took I, the Texans, I took the Texans. A shot across Mark Sessler's back. No, it's not because I almost – number one, let's start with Arian Foster. Right. He's a game-time decision. Mispractice again on Thursday. That's a crucial enough piece that it could cause me to change my pick. Mm. Arian Foster is right up there with DeMarco Murray as far mm. as who's playing the best at running back in the NFL this year. He's been phenomenal. Alfred Blues doesn't get it going for you? Alfred Blue does not get it going for you. Well, me. it's about no team runs the ball in terms of more carries per game than Houston right now. I think they're one or two. It's in, in, and they've, got a, they've had success doing that week after week. So I don't whether it's Mallet or not, that may be – this keeps saying he's got a strong arm. Well, you also have to throw it accurately. Right. And Ra- that's been his issue. Ryan Mallett's first career start, the battle of Brady's backups in this one. Brian Hoyer and Ryan Mallett, former teammates. I mean, this is the, a lot of backups yeah, playing. Two be, teams that couldn't get Tom Brady, so you get the next best thing. <laughs> he'll be, some version he'll be the 48th starter at quarterback this year, Ryan Mallett. That's already wow. more than a year ago, wow. which it was a high number even a year ago. Mallett, to me, is a crazy – that's why I wouldn't take him. That's why I wouldn't take the Texans. Because to me, taking Mallet in his first start, I have very low expectations. Like, I don't know if Ryan Mallet's going to be any better than Zach Mettenberger. It helps Cleveland. So Sean Gibson looks like he might not play. That's bad for the Browns. Like, he's he leads the league in interceptions. And they probably won't have Jordan Cameron again. You know, it's the same thing last hmm. week. You've got, obviously, no Josh Gordon, no Cameron. Andrew Hawkins might play, but he's still banged up to some degree. They're not healthy. They're not they're not that good. I like the Browns. I think they have a magic to them and I root for them, but to me these are two teams that are cl- closer than they really are like different. I think they're kind of two yeah. mediocre 8 to 9 win teams and the Browns might be able to get more than that cuz they're playing above their heads, but it, it's not a game where I think oh my god if the Browns lose it's a catastrophe by any means that that like they should win because their talent's so much it's better. It's not that they're they not. should, but it's almost like the Niners game in the AFC where if you fall to 6 and 4 then drop another one, you've got you've got to almost keep pace here with a conference that probably is going to put a bunch of 12 11 teams into the playoffs. I'm not we said yesterday I'm not sure 10 gets you there. No, right now whoever loses, you know, if you're 5 and 5 I think you're 12th in the conference. I mean, that's what the Texans are right now. Even if they won this game, they're going to be 11th or 12th, which is, I mean, that's just a lot of teams to try to pass. I Andre do, I, Johnson back on the radar this week. Ooh, why is that? Predicting a big game. I don't like I, that one. Ryan Mallett, to me, is an enigma. I can't say he's terrible, and no, I, can't I can't say either. he's good. We don't know. Enough people I respect have said he's he can be a good quarterback that I wouldn't roll it out. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that you can predict quarterbacks by preseason. We've seen Brandon Whedon light it up, and we've seen good quarterbacks do poorly in the preseason. So I'm, to me, this is an anticipated game. I want to see how Mallett does. Also an enigma right now, the Seattle Seahawks passing attack. This is a good one. Seahawks go to Kansas City. Thought about putting this up at the top of the show, but it's not quite as good as those other three. It's intriguing because it's two teams to me – 
that are so different than what you expected before the season that you just should forget about your expectations of what they you thought they were after one week. Kansas City's offensive line's not killing them. They've been able to adapt. And Seattle's defense is good, but it's not last year's Seahawks defense. Like Until proven otherwise, they're a good defense. They're not a dominant defense that scares me a lot. Do you think that's crazy, Mr. Mark Sessler? No, I mean, I look at Seattle and covering the past couple weeks in the office, Richard Sherman, who has been, you know, perhaps the game's best quarterback last year, no question, he has been a guy that quarterbacks haven't had a problem throwing towards. Hmm. They haven't shied away from them. Last year, he would automatically, like in the NFC title game, took away a third of the field. Kaepernick didn't even look over there. That hasn't been the case, and I think the Cam Chancellor loss is a big issue for them. And Maxwell's back now, but he was out for a big chunk of time. With the Chiefs, though, who I, I think they believe they still have not thrown a touchdown to a wide receiver all year. They have not. So it's not necessarily something that's going to help them in terms of a big vertical game. I th- this thing it still comes down to Kansas City running the ball and getting Travis Kelsey involved, the stuff that's gotten them here. If you like wide receivers, it's the wrong game for you. <laughs> yes, it <laughs> Who's is. Who's the best wide receiver in this game? I guess it's Dwayne Bowe. Doug Baldwin? I don't Can know. we call Travis Kelsey a wide receiver? Sure. Go All right, then it. he's the best. Mike Mayock said this week he pulled uh, a bunch of general managers, a bunch of offensive coordin- or defensive coordinators and coaches, and they nominated Travis Kelsey for the most underappreciated, most underappreciated player in the NFL. Is he underappreciated on his own team? It seems like he doesn't get as much playing time as he could have. Uh, that could change this week. Anthony Fasano is in danger of missing the game. Kelsey would certainly see an uptick in snacks, snaps then. The Chiefs are a good home team. Seattle's 3-2 and two on the road this year. I don't think – all these teams that are in the mix, every game is important. They, if they want to win the division and if they want to have home games in the playoffs, they need to pull off some tough road wins along the way because they have a lot of tough road games coming up. Seattle has to play Kansas City. They still have to go to Arizona. You have San Francisco. I think this is a really tough matchup. I took the Chiefs in this game. Dan Hansis was right there with me on the Chiefs. Both of you guys took the Seahawks. I'm going to hang with Seattle for a couple more weeks and just assume they're going to win every game. And I, I've, <laughs> gotten, no, I've gotten well, I've gotten a bunch of those wrong in terms of picking these games. Okay, that's all. And uh, you know, this one's going to get my attention if they don't take this home. Yeah, for me, all these people who tweet me and say that I hate their team, be, you know, and I call them boring. Well, I do hate your team because they're boring. Chiefs are boring. I don't like watching them, so I'm picking against them. <laughs> how about you? How about you get the Arrowhead crowd going on Sunday? You have Justin Houston and Tamba Ali, and they're making Russell Wilson run around, and he doesn't know what to do, and they're getting going. How about Alex Smith throws the ball past ten yards? No, that's at not going to happen. It's a fair request. That's that's not going to happen. Well, it's he, a fair request he's in more terms of, a, of exciting football. He's though. more of a running quarterback. Maybe that's I, the key. I to this think thing. Alex Smith's a very good quarterback. He's just not fun to watch. Yeah, that's so. Totally as a fair. fan of the game, I mean, I don't have to be unbiased here. I'm completely biased. He's a boring quarterback to watch. <laughs> well, last note: Marshawn Lynch last two weeks started with the Raiders game, and last week has looked like a different guy. Mm. We'll find out if that happens again. Also, uh, looking like a different guy last week, Andy Dalton. He looked like me out there, or he something. Looked like a, he looked like an amateur. <laughs> he I did mean, look like you well, out there. I'm just saying here. I, I was trying to think of some bad quarterback. I think that was an excellent analogy. Okay, uh, Andy Dalton this week. He, he 
now instead of playing the Browns, he's got to go to New Orleans. I think it was like not even Saints. a real human being. Like if you sliced him open, like <laughs> milk and stuff would have flowed out like one of those androids and alien. Like Andy <laughs> Dalton was not a real individual last week. That I mean, but he's, you know, he killed them single-handedly. Andy Dalton last week or Trent Edwards most weeks? Check down Trent. I'm just trying to come up with what the comp- like how low did he go here? Was he that went what, lower than that? He was that the, the worst it was quarterback to the point game we've where ever I think seen? People could have were begging for Jason Campbell to come on the field. Yikes! I'm a I'm a fan of bad football, and there was a point <laughs> no, where no well, you know, I like the really ugly quarterback matchups now yes, and then. You do. There's there's a time in a game where it flips to the point where it's so ugly. That it's beautiful, that it's fun, and Andy Dalton's performance—it was—it was too bad that the Browns were playing you so need well. To get that, out more. that ruined it. It was kind of to that fine. point. It's fine for me, but do you think he just bounces back and is normal, Andy Dalton again? Or I don't really. I told Dan, Mark, and Dan and I met up after this game last Thursday night because Mark was very oh, happy about the Browns game. Thanks. <laughs> You're welcome. It's a good. Yeah. Well, thanks for you, the heads up. You should have dragged Doug Reg along. Wow, with I see how it goes. <laughs> And Dan actually brought. I'm glad it. I found this out before your halftime review. <laughs> and Dan actually compared Dalton to the butt fumble game for Sanchez. That this is a Rubicon. Well, can't but Dan, go back. And Dan also yesterday, which I think he might have been right about this, that he's so streaky that he could bring it back around and have a couple good games in a row. But if the Bengals drop this, suddenly you have to look at that team and wonder: Does the team come back? Mm. I don't think that's a playoff team. I mean, I haven't for a while, so I guess nothing they've done has changed me off of that. Their schedule's rough. Right. They have to play a lot of road games. The The Saints haven't convinced me that they're some juggernaut in waiting either. I was a little disappointed by Sean Payton last week and his aggressiveness. Like, He's done that a couple of times this year. Right. Didn't he do that? It was against Dallas. He didn't go for a fourth down. And then in this game, Mark Ingram is running so well. And they have a third and two in 49ers territory in overtime. They throw the ball. Okay, that's questionable. I figure at that point they're playing for two downs, and then they punt. These aren't, these aren't the Saints. It's weak. That's kind of a telltale sign, though, that he's not that confident in their offense. Well, and you bring up Wes's stable of boy member, Mark Ingram, <laughs> and if Terrence West can run for 94 yards on the Bengals, Ingram can run for 194. Well, we Wouldn't all put that past him. We all took the Saints – in this game, I, I think Andy Dalton will bounce back and just be normal just because every time we think it's bounce a, back to sub mediocrity, bounce back <laughs> to mediocrity, to the Dalton scale, to the middle of the pack. Cause every time, every playoff loss that he has, we think, Oh my gosh, he's never going to come back from this. He's the worst player. And it's like, okay. And then he's, there is precedent for this in Cincinnati. Kenny Anderson, I believe mm. season opener, 1981 or 82 at a 2.8 passer rating. Got pulled from the game for Turk Schoenert, who took the Bengals on to victory that game. <laughs> then Ken Anderson came back and won MVP that year. Well, Dalton will not be doing that <laughs> part of it. But we, I think as football fans, we all have to root for no Saturday afternoon Bengals playoff game, right? Even Bengals fans have to say, enough is enough of that experiment. It's, uh, it's an annual holiday in the NFL. We all get to watch the Bengals get beat on the first Saturday of the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, you you know who two quarterbacks uh, that are better than Turk Schoenert? How about that? Does Turk Schoenert even – who is that? Who's Turk Schoenert? Turk Schoenert was one of the better backups of the 1980s. You are having a professional day. That was – Yeah, well, well I haven't even completed it right here. 
Matt Ryan and Cam Newton. Those are two <laughs> quarterbacks better than Turk yes, Schoen. One of the stinkers of the of the week, though, in terms of the matchups. This is such a good week of games that Atlanta Carolina sticks out as a game that's not too intriguing, but it does actually matter for playoff positioning. In the worst division that we've seen since the NFC West in 2010, Atlanta could be in first place by you know one o'clock Pacific. Well, we forked on Sunday, them, so I don't think so. I <laughs> was thinking about Greg's premonition that we, at least one of these teams, probably two of these teams that we forked will come back to haunt us. Well, they'll make a sweat, is all I said. It's not even a premonition. It's just the odds. We've forked I was like thinking about teams. This. The Falcons are the team I think that will make yeah, a sweat. Yeah, I would agree with you. I think their offensive <laughs> line actually played pretty well last week for the first time in a while. Mm. They've made some changes. The undrafted center stone looked pretty good. They put Schroeder at right tackle. He's been better. Deep offensive line knowledge. I'm just saying they're they're playing better. They're starting to get a little pass rush. I think Massaqua has been much better. Babineau's been good. I think they could get a little frisky. And they're running into a Panthers team with Cam Newton for an odd number of reasons playing some of the worst football he's played in a long, long time. And yet you chose the Panthers in this game. Yeah, because this is two, in my opinion, whether or not they could rise up to win a terrible division, one of them, this is this is a pair of bad football teams, and I'm going to take the home team. I'm not going to pick the Panthers again until Ron Rivera starts playing his best running back. Wow. They've won one game since, what, week two, right? The Panthers? One game since week two, That's right? That's rough. That's amazing. Well, the Falcons themselves oh just snapped a five-game losing right, streak. So we're looking at a couple of nobodies here. <laughs> no funny. That's fair. It's a 3-6 and six team versus a 3-6-1 and one team. But I I think whenever you're trying to, like, answer who could be dangerous, it, you always got to go quarterback. You always got to go And Unless Sean Matt Hill's Ryan. in the discussion, then you have to go with it. <laughs> Julio Jones. Uh, I chose the Falcons. So did Dan and Wes. Kevin and Mark both took the Panthers. Uh the fans around the country were with well, you. Kevin and Mark enjoy winning the weekly pick'em situation. I don't know what your guys' objective is. <laughs> You're tied with me. Huh? Well, not after this week. I don't even know what to say Take to it that. from there. This nonsense. <laughs> uh, moving on to Denver and St. Louis. You just mentioned Sean Hill. That defense that Sean Hill is going to be playing with, the, the Rams' defense, is playing very well. They get to go home after a couple weeks on the road, and they get an extremely tough matchup against the Broncos. Is there any reason to think they can keep this game close? No. The Rams' defense, as much as you've been trying to build them up, they're not nearly as good at what they do as the Broncos are on offense. You make it sound like I've been on some campaign. You have been. Rampaging through the newsroom talking about the Rams' defense. Watch them play. Uh, Aaron Donald's good. Robert Quinn's good after that. Come on. You know what I like is that the season changes so many different times. Like, even week week five to week nine is different than the next four weeks. And, you know, teams can get better and worse, Chris. And you got to get out of your old thinking about this Rams defense because they're a different defense right now. Well, they're one what, of the best three or four defense in the league. That's you, not true. Here's what doesn't you, why, change. Why is, not a, why is that not true? They, what's they, what's, what's good about down. their secondary? They're explosive. Uh, their safeties last, last week played great. I forget. T.J. McDonald had his best T.J. McDonald had like an incredible yeah. game. And then E.J. Gaines, there's a name for you at cornerback. Well, he had a really good game last week. How about we have the same conversation after this game? Exactly. Because <laughs> Denver, one, one thing that doesn't change is Denver you know, regularly dropping a flood of points during one of the quarters of this game. Yeah. And then you're suddenly saying a Rams offense that – 
seems to be a paint-by-numbers operation where <laughs> Brian Schottenheimer gets creative for 16 scripted plays to start the game, has to keep up. It's not going to happen. Are you saying he's the equivalent of an artist who draws balls of yarn and sad-faced clowns? That's what you're saying, and I agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> do your kids do paint-by-numbers? They, they're into drawing at all? You have two boys. Yes. Their art comes in different ways. It's not happening in books on pages. It's on the walls or the floors of our house. It's very enjoyable. Boys will be boys. They they did some sort of drawing at my daughter's preschool this week, you know, what you're thankful for or whatever, and they were supposed to draw it. And my daughter, Ellis, she drew carrots. She said she was thankful for carrots. It's like it's what, the small things. What kind of kid is a fan of vegetables like that? I was like, I got to take her out and have some more fun. Carrots, the yeah, best, you do. best that you can come up with. This tell, is what happens when we start talking about the Rams. Tell again. her she can come over to Uncle Chris's house and play cornhole again. Well, we did. Mm. Yeah, that was fun. She she liked that. She talks about Chris. I She... You're at the age, you know, she's three, where they have they don't know really the difference between like Chris and my brother. So like they, I think she thinks Chris is in our family. Well, he is in your world family. Yeah, <laughs> I would accept him mark. as an uncle to my children. That was a very <laughs> that's very Mark answer. Uh, do we have anything left to say on the old uh, Broncos? This is going to be. I feel bad for anyone that picked the Rams in this in our situation. We did not. Uh, none of us took the Rams. I I disagree. I think um you know I think it's going to be a very close game. I'll just put it that way. And it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise it wouldn't be that crazy if they shocked the world. <laughs> so what? Fu- so funny you were killing Sean Hill in August and September, and now you're acting <laughs> well, like well you're right. Sean Hill's not the reason why. I just think their defense is great. They're at home and that's let's it. have a chat. Is their in defense two hours? Is their defense even better than the Broncos' defense? I think they're right there. I think they're probably better. Well, uh, one of them's facing Sean Hill, and the other one's facing Peyton Manning. Uh, they're both definitely better uh, than the Raiders' defense. The team... <laughs> I don't know. The tone in your voice just suggested that Chris, All right, Chris just w- won that logic All battle right. right there. Chris won one. He's now 1-17 on the year. <laughs> uh, the Raiders, who got trashed by Denver last week, go to San Diego. I feel like the Chargers haven't played in forever. I we haven't it, won in forever. I, it has. It has been a while. The team of ATL, the San Diego first while team of ATL Super Chargers, trying to get us back excited against Oakland. They do have some reinforcements coming, though. Don't you think that makes a little bit of a difference? Ryan Matthews. Yeah, makes them a lot more fun to watch. Yeah, I mean, brings them back to what they wanted to do to start with this season. Talk about you know. I was mentioning that season changes as it goes. I mean, this Chargers team felt like a totally different team as they were heading into the bye than they were the first five or six weeks when Rivers was playing so well. Rivers slacked off, but the offensive line really slacked off. And I don't really know, I what, to, I don't know what to make of the defense either at all. I think the offensive line is the key there. Rivers had three straight mediocre games. Well, one horrible game. Brandon Oliver couldn't run the ball because there were no holes. The offensive line was the problem. And then on defense... They went from not allowing 21 points in any game to allowing 31 points a game. They haven't been as aggressive on defense. When I went to that mythic Cowboys-Chargers preseason game, I got to send you more games just so you start talking about this one. Well, we brought this up a thousand (laughs) times, but I talked to Antonio Gates after, and one thing he said was it annoyed him to constantly hear, oh, Phillip Rivers is reborn and he's having a revival and has to do with his plays. Like, look, we got our offensive line together. That is all that changed. He was complimenting Rivers by saying it's all that changed. Forget everything else. All you nerds, you don't know anything. We just got a line that can protect them. And when that's not happening, 
he comes back to earth and the whole offense comes back to earth. But they also, last year, were holding the ball for 38 minutes a game down the stretch when they were winning. I like that Antonio Gates used his opportunity to talk to you to serve up verbal wedgies to all the nerds out there yeah. who are questioning mm, yeah. his quarterback. Mm. Yeah, it was uh, interesting. He would seemed very irritated with the, with <laughs> Why, the scribes. Why, as football fans, we have to relearn this every time a really good quarterback goes through a funk, that it's always the surrounding talent. Yeah. When Yeah, when you know they're really good. If you've when been they're established, established exactly, as that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's fair. Yeah. T- like, sometimes, like a guy like Ryan Tannehill, for instance, I think if he had the best offensive line in the league – we would talk about him as really good. But it would probably be a mirage. It would probably be more about the line because no one goes up and down based on the week more than Tannehill. Rivers, on the other hand, can do pretty well even when you're sending some pressure at him. Yeah. When we when I mentioned some reinforcements, I knew I knew there was a couple coming on defense. Melvin Ingram expected to play and have a major That's big. role in this game. And he, he's been out since week two. He's been on short-term IR. And Manti Teo is expected to return for this game. That's not quite as big. I actually think it's really big because their linebackers were so bad. I, I've watched the Chargers a lot. Unlike you guys, I actually like the team of ATL. And I've dove in, and they're terrible. I mean, they're inside linebackers. Their whole linebacker well, group is terrible. So Teo is okay. One of those Doesn't problems hurt. with their linebackers is that the guy they gave $28 million in guarantees to, Donald Butler, has been missing tackles all year. Right. And Dwight Freeney, who started this season like a house on fire, has been very quiet over he's the last. He's been playing hurt. He's been very quiet over the last month. So is you, Jason Verrett coming back? He is out indefinitely still. That, that kill, you know, the one game that where I thought Oakland, and, and especially Derek Carr, played at his best was this other Chargers That's game true. where they played the first time. He really looked to finally have kind of made some sort of jump to the next place he was making reads. He was The, the wide receiver group was making big plays all day. I don't think that's going to happen again. But this isn't a great defense right now. I think this is a terrible spot for the Raiders. I think the Chargers are a legitimately good team that are going to be right in the playoff mix to the end, and they're going to be ready for this game, and they're going to crush the Raiders. I don't think it'll be like the the first game. Well said. Pittsburgh, Tennessee, Monday night. We're going to wrap up our show with the old Steelers and Titans. Oh, man. Zach Mettenberger on national television. Wes couldn't happen soon enough. You you seem to be just very angry with my idea that Mettenberger was okay last week. He wasn't okay. I don't think you can have a quarterback who goes, what, eight of nine possessions in a row, three and out, and, and most be fine. A lot of them weren't his fault, though. We talk, we just talked about quarterbacks. Right, they product. had penalties. They, had, they tried to run the ball too much. But a quarterback who's fine gets a first down once in a while. That's not fine. He, he's been – all the Titans have done is shown that they should be playing locker if he's healthy. Well, Mettenberger, I went and had to do a story about him today, and all these people were tweeting at the beginning of the last game, oh, he looks sensational. Was He right. did hit on five 15-yard or more passes out of the gate, but then Baltimore put pressure on him, and everything started to change. A question for you, Greg. If they, if they believe in the guy, why are they running the ball three times in a row? Because they're conservative. I mean, and they are that, protect- and they're hyper-dull, but... They're trying to protect Mettenberger. Dull. Sankey, to me, is the bigger problem in the running game. There's nothing special about Bishop Sankey. And their line Whoa. isn't terrible, so Could they be should be able to, to run the ball. Yeah, I mean, I was excited he's about him. He's in your stable of boys. No, he's not. I mean, I was excited about him coming into the year, but it just shows I know nothing about college prospects <laughs> until you see him. So <laughs> None of us I, ge- I generally try not to have an opinion until they play in the NFL. There's nothing special about him. I mean, there was a couple plays near the goal line last week at, at the beginning where I just thought, 
8 out of 10 starting running back score on that play. They get through that arm tackle, and it's just like he just kind of fell down at the 1. It's like that's 7 points because Sean Green ended up coming in because they didn't trust Sankey. Green fumbles at the goal line because he's Sean Green, and suddenly, you know, that's a big, big moment in the game. That was my major red flag for Bishop Sankey in August when I watched him in the preseason. He's not getting through arm tackles. He doesn't have something about him that's like, oh, wait, there's something special. Right. Even like watching like Derek McKinnon and a couple other guys, you see little flashes, moments where you're like, yes, I get it. Put him in there. Let's see what you can do. I don't see that with Sankey. Mettenberger, I thought, played as well in that game as Joe Flacco did. I mean, he made about the same amount of mistakes. He made the same amount of nice throws. You could see why at least they put him in. He's got a nice arm, and he has the capability to throw like a 25-yard deep out that not a ton of quarterbacks do. But he was not very aware of the pass rush. He just stood there forever. Like, he's not afraid of it, but he's not even aware of it. Wait till he meets James Harrison, who somehow mm. has been pulled out of a... Somehow. Well, I mean, I don't know. This guy went away for no, I long enough, somehow. and I couldn't... I don't know where he came came from. Greg, I'm not happy to see him again, and he's going to destroy this guy. One of the quarterback's biggest jobs is to make game-changing plays. Joe Flacco hits Torrey Smith for the game-changing touchdown. Zat Bettenberger had no response. That's part of good quarterbacking. If if the Steelers are as good as we think, they'll come into this game and they'll roll. But if the Steelers are like we've seen over the course of this season, if they continue to act basically how they've acted, this will probably be a tricky game for them. You cannot you know what I lose mean? this game. You, if you are Because they've stunk against bad teams. Lose. They have a secret weapon. What? Who used to coach the Titans. Mike Munchak is the Steelers' offensive line coach. Great. That's, he's, got, <laughs> he's got the key to beating the Titans. I what, think, is, what is the key? Just show up. Hey, yeah. <laughs> look at the roster. I mean, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, the key is that Munchak built one of the most bland <laughs> – unwatchable teams in the NFL, and, and most gotten, of that roster is still there. They've, they've gotten, gotten more unwatchable yeah, since they've gotten left. worse. Uh, the secret, their secret weapon is Tennessee actually has two wins on the year. Pittsburgh only loses and has stink bombs against teams with no wins or one win, like the Jets and Bucks <laughs> when they play. The Titans are too good for them to have a letdown. <laughs> Pittsburgh has to go in and drop a mega hammer. I, I expect they will, but they, they have been a tough team to figure out this year. Uh, this week, however... It's not tough to figure out who did a great job with this podcast. Mark Sessler wins the day. Chris, you lose. Now, that is not fair. <laughs> and your review is coming up. That's, and look, you saw what happened with that. That's answer, how my you? style would be if I, if I did host. <laughs> I would declare a winner at the each one to you know, foment uh, you know, consternation, disgust amongst all of my There's no my scoreboard friends. here. I don't mind being called a loser when there's no, no scoreboard. No, we all, we all won today. Hopefully everyone is still listening. Uh, we joked about Dan of course at the top but he will be back thankfully in his host chair where he should be on Sunday night when we do our big time recap show until then for Chris Wesseling Mark Sessler TD we got Zach back there behind the glass as well I'm Greg Rosenthal we'll see you Sunday You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 
37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started.